Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. With us today is no one. (laughs) (laughs) We're all alone. But it's perfect because we're discussing the Thanksgiving episode and Caleb and I are kind of Thanksgiving buddies. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I'll just let you invent that term. Well, what I mean by that is twice now in my adult life, I have, yeah, I have like skipped out on hanging out with my husband and my in-laws and just flown to New York City and hung out with Caleb on Thanksgiving. That's true. And we have, we've gone to the Neptune Diner in Astoria (laughs) for our Thanksgiving dinner. And you know what? It's been great. It has been great. I loved it. It was 2016 and 2019. Both were wonderful. And last Thanksgiving, you know, me being in isolation, I ordered takeout from Neptune Diner. You did? And had it at home by myself. And it still felt festive because I felt like I was carrying on a tradition. Oh, I love that. That makes me really happy. Yeah. That's nice. Well, okay. Quickly, yes, we're discussing Season 2, Episode 10, Happy Thanksgiving, written by David Hudgens, directed by Bob Berlinger. It originally aired on November 23rd, 2010, and here's the synopsis. Adam fears his future, and he is... Sorry, that was... I feel like that's an odd way (laughs) to... fears his future. Fears his future. (laughs) Fears for his future? But no, it just says, Adam fears his future, and he is torn between his job and family after surprising news from Gordon. While preparing Thanksgiving dinner, Camille and Amber share a bonding moment. Meanwhile, Drew feels uncomfortable about his mom bringing Gordon to dinner. Crosby tries to impress his future mother-in-law. Elsewhere, Julia tries to embrace her domestic side by making pies for dinner, but snaps at Sydney. So, Thanksgiving, do you have any memorable Thanksgiving traditions in your family? Yes, I have a very small family, and so does Mark, and so... Ever since he and I started dating, except for the two Thanksgivings I spent with you, um, we... Suck it, Mark. <laughs> She's my... <laughs> um, my mom and my brother and I, because that's my whole family, go over to Mark's mom's house. And Mark and his mom is basically his whole family. Although sometimes we would have extended family, like Mark's aunts and uncles or such, um, uh, cousins, And it was kind of nice. It was like all of us were able to gather. And so it wasn't like Mark or I had to choose which which mom to go visit. We just kind of got our whole our whole family together. It kind of reminded me of Crosby bringing Renee over. So, yeah. So, that yeah, it's a lovely tradition. And also my mother in law is a great cook and doesn't want anyone to help. And so it's ideal. (laughs) 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 So. How about you? We would always be just the five of us. Thanksgiving was not a holiday where we visited extended family. So it was always a holiday just for the immediate family. And that was great. And we would break out the like nice china that we had, which we never ate on any other time of the year. It was only for Thanksgiving. And we would make, we drank cherry Kool-Aid mixed with 7-Up, I think. That sounds delicious. Maybe it was with Sprite. It was, I mean, it wasn't fantastic, but again, we never drank that any other time of the year. So it was specifically a Thanksgiving thing. And then usually the day after Thanksgiving, we would go get our Christmas tree and we would bring it home and we would decorate and listen to Christmas music. So 
there's like a lot of wonderful memories with that. And, you know, it's something that when you're an adult and your parents get divorced, I think one of the real advantages is you can actually make sense of it. It doesn't just feel like, oh, my family's breaking apart. It's like, no, 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 you still have your family, but things are just going to be a little different. That's one thing I do actually miss because we haven't had any Thanksgivings like that since the divorce. And that's a shame because they were great. But then as an adult, I frequently would spend Thanksgiving with my friend MK. And that was our sort of like New York Thanksgiving. And spoiler alert, she's our guest next week. Yay. I'm so excited to meet her. I've just heard great things forever. So that'll be really fun. (laughs) And our Thanksgivings were always very small that she would cook and yeah. And we would just get together and enjoy each other's company. And then, yeah. And then two Thanksgivings with you. There was one, I had one terrible Thanksgiving, my last year of college, we still were having our regular family Thanksgiving, but I was just busy or something. I, I couldn't get home. And so I spent that Thanksgiving alone, but everyone else in my family was together. Oh, and I had, Oh, it was, awful i was miserable that thanksgiving and i had like this school project to do for a class i hated and didn't understand and anyway that was the year enchanted came out i remember i saw it twice in theaters that weekend (laughs) because it just made me feel better oh that's nice actually you just reminded me one thanksgiving when i was in grad school i spent the entire break writing two papers for the same professor and I didn't have a computer. I don't know how I didn't have a computer when I was in grad school, but I did. Were you writing I, them longhand? No, I used oh. the computer in my little office. So uh. I spent my entire Thanksgiving break. I literally took like a two hour break to go to my mom's house and, and have dinner with her and my brother. I, I spent that entire break alone in a tiny little office on campus uh. writing these two papers back to back. And then I remember when we turned in the papers, no one else had done them. They were all like, Dr. McCallum, that was our Thanksgiving break. What were we supposed to do? Spend the entire time writing these papers? And I was like, yes. I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did. Like, I did. But it was totally fine. I don't remember what happened. But I think I'm, you know... I think I came off well. I used to be a workaholic. <laughs> I don't think I am anymore. So that's how I felt during much of this isol- like quarantine. Yeah. I feel like I'll see other people who in so many words are basically saying, what am I supposed to do? Just put my whole life on hold. And I feel like, yeah, I did. I have. <laughs> yeah. I haven't yeah. gone anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Do that. <laughs> Then it'll be over. The longer yeah. you don't do that, the longer I'm going to have to keep doing it. Anyway. But anyway. No, totally true. The Bravermans have pretty happy Thanksgiving all, all together. Uh, you know, and usually I wait until the end of our episodes to sort of ask for like opinions on the episode as a whole. But I'm going to break tradition and I'm going to give my opinion on this episode yeah. as a whole at the top. Because I feel like weirdly in terms of like a cohesive episode that explores some issue of family or parenting or some theme like that. I didn't feel like this episode was very successful in that regard. It wasn't like, Oh, this episode is about blank. No, I didn't think it was about anything. I, and I, like I took way fewer notes than I Mm -hmm. usually do, but I would still say that I liked it a lot because I think what I, what it lacked in a narrative strength 
it made up for with just the whole cast yes. was together in the episode, which we really don't ever, there's so many of them and we'll yeah. see a lot of interaction, but usually the only time we see them all together is like at a big family dinner. And but those scenes are usually scene. just a few minutes long. Right. This is kind of like the whole episode. That was awfully nice. It really felt like being at a big family gathering and when people arrive and you you hug everyone that just got there and it's like oh that's every holiday from my childhood was just huge amounts of people i came from a much bigger family than you yeah i i loved the episode um i i agree other than you know gordon selling the company and him i guess breaking up with you know he and sarah breaking up not much happened. And even that breakup, talk about skipping to the end, was very lackluster. I was like, are we supposed to care at all? I mean, I didn't because I don't like Gordon. And I was like, good. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, are there any Sarah Gordon fans out there? Because this seems like terrible service to those fans because it was just so half-hearted. You know, he was like, yeah, I'm going to be on the road, though. We can meet up. She's like, I can't. And he's like, I get it. <laughs> like, that's the whole thing, you know? <laughs> and so it felt like even the moments that maybe were supposed to be big weren't big. And I didn't care because the way that Thanksgiving is a break in real life, you know, you get days off. It felt like it was kind of a break for the show, too. Yeah. You know, like like all the storylines just kind of got put on pause. Every once in a while, you'd get a little reminder of one, like Zeke saying to Camille, you know, are, how long are you going to be mad at me? And she's like, I'm trying really hard not to be. And I thought that's kind of a fun yeah, line. Yeah, Alex little... is in it for a minute and a half. Right, right. Like little Crosby hints. and Joel are still a little bitter about the play crap yes but i wouldn't say that julia's still... not drinking because she's trying to have a babe you know right right so they, they did a great job with stuff like that but I, I agree with you even though they did pepper in some of those things it did feel a little bit like we're all gonna take a break and just enjoy the holiday yeah it's just gonna be funny the episode is largely going to be funny and just about, yeah, mixing together all these different groups of people. And so yeah. I really enjoyed the hell out of it. So I feel like a lot of our episode is going to be sort of the Chris Farley show. <laughs> just us saying, <laughs> didn't you, you like remember? when this happened? That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Remember when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> well, to start with, we have a scene again in the previously on we didn't actually see. Was it Drew asking if it, Sarah and Gordon were having sex? Yeah, like he yeah. and Amber discussing, and Amber saying, "Oh, he's actually a pretty nice guy." And I, I, it makes me mad—not that there's something we didn't see, but mostly when what we didn't see looks interesting. Like mm -hmm. I would love to know what Drew and Amber think about her and Gordon, because yeah. that would be really weird, and that's an experience I never had. Of like my parents dating people, you know, mm -hmm. I, I want to know what they think, but no, they cut it for some reason. Yeah. I guess detracted too much time from the shoe clicker story. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. I would, I would be interested to know what they think. And I guess in this episode, we got a little bit of that with Drew telling his mom, you know, it's weird. It's Uncle Adam's boss. And she's like, that's not that weird. He's my boss too. And I liked that <laughs> Amber was like, yeah, that's still weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's just call that out. <laughs> so. 
I had a um, a little house hunters observation. Ooh. You know, a few episodes ago, we when we were remarking on how tiny and dated Adam and Christina's bathroom was. Yeah, and I was kind of happy about it. it was like, good, <laughs> their house has one flaw. I thought it was a nice touch that Camille only has one oven because yeah. that feels like the double oven feels like a much more modern luxury. It's like mm-hmm. no one used to have two ovens yeah. and now it's kind of common in, in huge houses like they seem to have, but it's like, no, their gorgeous house is at least old. Yeah. And so it only has one oven. And you know what? If you plan right, one is enough. You just need an oven schedule. You know, I noticed that Drew's room had kind of dated wallpaper. So along those same lines, not because the wallpaper that's in their like dining room is gorgeous. I, I love it. I'm not usually a wallpaper fan, but it's that dark kind of red and, and it's got like a floral. It's very beautiful and kind of modern. Uh, but the wallpaper up in Drew's room, I'm like, oh, nope, that's just ugly old wallpaper that you should really strip. And <laughs> so. so they've renovated the public spaces. Maybe that's it. Yeah. And left the private ones old and dated. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I wrote down, something tells me that Renee's pies are probably way better than Julia's. <laughs> yeah. And then I was happy yeah. to see that that was borne out <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> I felt so anxious when she talked about making the pies and Crosby was like, oh, but um, you were only supposed to make the stuffing. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't tell you how many, like that was such a replica of conversations that have happened at my mother-in-law's on Thanksgiving. I was like, yeah, this, this totally checks out. This, this happens all the time. Like um, she only, you know, I said earlier, she doesn't really want you to help. She might give you a task. Don't deviate from the task. She's, <laughs> this is her Thanksgiving. It's like her chance to kind of shine and give back. And she takes a lot of pride in it. It's funny when, when Mark first started dating me, I think she was afraid I would want to take the Thanksgiving. Now that she knows me, she knows what a funny concept. I would <laughs> never, <laughs> I don't cook at all. But um, yeah, anyway, I, I felt literally anxious with Crosby trying to navigate, not hurting anyone's feelings. And um, did you yeah. feel that way also with this scene? So I hope you have another apron here, honey. Um, no. These are our only aprons today. Well, there's no way I'm just going to stand around and watch, so... Uh... No, you're going to go in the next room and relax. Um, look, apron's coming off. Um, everything's pretty much done. Go relax. Yeah. She won't let anybody help. Yes. That read like a trans that read like a transcript of my mom and my mother-in-law talking. That's exactly their dynamic. They're they're not friends. They're not enemies. They're real polite. <laughs> and they both sort of want to help each other aggressively or not help or like, you know, it's just, it's this interesting dynamic where it, it doesn't just work out. I don't know. I, and it, and it's all very polite and, and well-meaning, you know, but, but yeah, they both kind of want to contribute and, and the, yeah, I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Do you know what I'm talking about? I it's, think so. It felt very real to me. Just the sense that, you know, we've seen a good amount of, Camille being kind of the super housewife, Mm -hmm. so good at cooking and just managing the household. And of course, Thanksgiving would be kind of like the all-star event of the year. And we haven't spent as much time with Renee, but I think it totally tracks 
that she is kind of Camille's equal in that yes. regard in her family. And so you put them together and maybe there's a, a hint of competitiveness, but maybe there's also a little bit of like a compatriotism. I think I invented that word, but like, <laughs> like, oh, I recognize what you're doing because I do it too. Yeah. And it's hard. And so I'm going to offer help because we could often use help and we don't get it. You know, that's like another theme of the episode, I suppose, of is oh, Camille yeah. has Amber, you know, as her sous chef and Amber realizes, oh, my gosh, no, no one does anything except grandma. You know, she she yeah. pulls this all off by herself anyway. So it's so like maybe she's just being genuinely helpful because it didn't it didn't really seem like passive aggressive. But then she was. <laughs> so, no, you're not helping. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think that was the part that fascinated me, like. I hope this isn't too personal to share, but Mark and I would often marvel almost that our moms weren't just best friends, you know, like they're, my mom has a boyfriend now, but when Mark and I first started dating, they were both single and they had a lot of similar interests and we just thought they were going to hit it off. And I think they kind of intimidated each other a little bit and it never quite went down like that. And, you know, I think they admire each other very much and like each other very much, but yeah, for some reason, maybe they were too alike almost. They were just never able to to do that. And I just really recognized that in that scene. And now that we're talking about it, how fascinating, because at the end, it's obvious that Camille really could use some help, more help than just one person. And someone was offering it to her and she didn't even consider it for a second. Because I remember at the end of the episodes, both times I watched it, I was like, oh, Poor Camille. Yes, take that glass of wine. Go. Someone else should do these dishes. And it didn't even occur to me that the one time we really saw someone offer to help, she was like, no, no, of course not. But then I'm like, well, she's not technically in the family. She's a guest. So maybe she feels wrong putting a guest to work. You know, maybe that just feels rude to her. And it did seem like everything was done. By that yeah, point. I guess that's true. So like there wasn't anything her to, for her to do. But I thought the same thing, although only the second time I watched it, that there is a, a strange kind of contradiction in Camille's behavior in that I think she feels put upon having yeah. to do all this by herself. But I don't think she wants anyone else to do it. Yeah. I mean, even Amber, she says, you do what I say. Yeah. And that's why she is happy to have her there. And, and yet I think it feels real and not to like this, I think this is going to sound judgier than I mean, but it feels good to feel like a martyr sometimes to feel like, oh, I pulled this all off alone and no one lifted a finger to help me. And people will complain about that. And I think they genuinely mean it mm-hmm. largely. Yeah. But also there's part of them that likes being able to complain. Yeah. And so, oh, don't take away my... those feelings that make me feel special because I'm so ignored and unappreciated. Yeah. And yet she seemed genuinely thankful when Amber thanked her. You know, people are complicated too. Yeah. I think it's 100% possible that she both feels exhausted and maybe even possibly resentful about how much work she does all the time. And yet I think so much of her perception of who she is as a mother and a grandmother and a wife comes from caretaking, you know, doing Crosby's laundry. We mention it constantly. But, you know, I think that if she truly 
didn't want to do the work, she would stop doing the work. And, and so I think on some level, it's how she defines herself. I was really struck by Zeke doing nothing all day. And I totally <laughs> bought that. It felt right for like how, you know, how old they are and how traditional they are. But I found myself almost livid, uh, you know, like, like, how dare you hide out and get drunk in the garage? <laughs> and, and at least I guess, you know, he had some nice bonding moments with Drew and was kind of pulling his weight there. But I, I was just furious. I, yeah. I, yeah. Well, I thought it was strange after this scene. I love you. You're my son. And I would give you my kidney if I could, but you're not carving the Thanksgiving turkey. Do you know what I'm dealing with right now? I mean, Renee thinks I'm some irresponsible kid, and I, listen, Dad, I, I, I gotta be the man of the house. Well, so get your own house. Wait, wait, hey, what is the big deal? I'm sorry, what? What's the big deal? Son, a man has a certain relationship with a Thanksgiving bird, okay? I don't know what to call it exactly. And plus, I paid for the damn thing, so I'm carving it. Okay, whoa, hey, hey, here, Dad, I will reimburse you for the special relationship you have with your bird. What are they, like 80 cents a pound or something? How, are you serious? How deep are you into this bird? Oh, gosh, you don't have to do that. Really? I mean, you really want to do it? Yeah, I know it's stupid, but I, yeah. All right. And carve my bird. After watching that scene, I wrote down, did you think it was strange that Zeke had a special relationship with a bird that he played no part in preparing? <laughs> I was like, why do either of them get to carve it? Camille made it. She cooked it for everyone. If anyone gets dibs on it, it's her. She's the little red hen. Is that the, is that the name of it? You know, like... The hen who... That rings the faintest of bells, but I don't know what you're talking about. She asks everyone to help her put together this meal. like, And, and they're all like, not I, said this animal, and not I, said this animal. Not I, said the cat. Not I, said the dog. Not I, said the mouse. Then I will, said the little red hen. And she did. But then when it's time to eat whatever meal she has prepared, they all want in on that action. And she was like, oh. you know, then I'll do it. No, I'm going to eat this all by myself. But the little red hen said, all by myself, I planted the wheat. I tended the wheat. I cut the wheat. I took the wheat to the mill to be ground into flour. All by myself, I gathered the sticks. I built the fire. I mixed the cake. And all by myself. I am going to eat it. And so she did to the very last crumb. And now I'm like, is it the little red hen or am I mixing up my <laughs> stories? You're looking it up. I'm looking it up. The little red hen is an American fable first collected by Mary Mapes Dodge in St. Nicholas magazine in 1874. The story is meant to teach children the importance of hard work and personal initiative. I'm guessing you're right. Yeah. Not I said the duck. I don't know. So yeah, I mean, Camille should get to carve that, but I wonder if that. <laughs> I love you say, not I said the... <laughs> That's, I think, how my mom used to read it to me when I was little. <laughs> it sounds um, right. It's yeah. just fun. Uh, yeah, it is fun. But I think that's also very traditional, like those traditional gender roles. It's like yeah. 
It's Zeke's bird because he paid for it. Which is not nothing. That is but not nothing. Yeah. He he makes sure to tell everyone didn't that take was two hundred dollars of its schedule. Right. And I guess it's just what do you value more? You know, bringing home the money for whatever retirement. We we still don't know what Zeke does, you know, but but I'm sure he worked. Very or how hard. he is solvent again. Yeah, we it's just over. <laughs> it's like bankrupt um, at the end of season one. Yeah. But he he bought the bird, so the bird is his. I do find that sort of fascinating, you know, like who does the actual labor versus who just kind of throws money at something and what is valued more in our society. Yeah. Well, speaking of throwing money at things, (laughs) pretty much off the bat in this episode, we learn that Gordon has sold the company, which I feel like it wasn't totally clear what that meant. And I think that maybe was the point of it. Like, Mm -hmm. is the company still going to make shoes? Is it going to be like, liquidated and sold for parts i get i don't understand corporate <laughs> stuff but are are does are all the people there still employed or are some of them employed or are none of them employed and that's probably exactly the conflict everyone is feeling and maybe they don't know maybe yeah. it's up to whoever bought it yeah but um i really admired adam for asking gordon not to come hey gordon I would really appreciate it if you wouldn't come to my family's Thanksgiving dinner. Well, your family's expecting me. Well, Monday morning, I'm going to have to come here and face our staff and let them know the company's been sold, because I know you're not going to handle that. So I would like to have my holiday with my family. Happy Thanksgiving. It's like a Braverman setting boundaries. Yes. And... I feel like I would never have it in me to actually say that. I would think for myself that it was too rude. But watching him, I didn't think it was rude. I thought it was really natural that he would, of course I don't want you there. And yeah, anyway, I admired him for that. It was great. You know, um, I was struck by that scene anyway. But um, this time Mark didn't watch the whole episode, but he did get sucked into the first 15 minutes or so. And I, I loved what he said about it. He was like, that is so much colder and better than like losing it on the guy or or do it you know he was like just just calmly disinviting someone from your thanksgiving yeah. is such a bold move and i agree i really loved that and then mark was indignant <laughs> he did stay through he was like what he still came that is unacceptable <laughs> he was like that's not okay but uh then he walked away um but i i always <laughs> like i i never want to present his ideas as my own but i like that he often has a totally different take and and then when i'm just watching it by myself and so i don't even know that i would have thought it was so bold on my own but i liked how direct it was i i yeah i wouldn't have the guts to do that in a million years and i would i i totally think he was right to do it even though then when we hear sarah's point you know side and and julia even says to adam like well, it's nice for her to have a date. You know, did you think about that? Um, I thought, you know, that's true too. Like, yeah, she doesn't really know she's dating a slime bucket and, <laughs> you know, and Although, she doesn't but know whose what fault happened. is that? Yeah. She could open her eyes. It's not like he's hiding his slime bucketness. From no, her. he's not. And, and Adam has told her and she's like specifically not listening to her brother. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So I guess they did uh, once again presented both sides of a conflict. Although I did think it was a little lame of her not to apparently tell anybody that she had invited him until the day of. Camille didn't know. Her kids didn't know. Adam didn't know. And I did have a moment where I thought, did you did it slip your mind or did you think you were safer not mm, revealing it just until it was too it late people. to rescind the invitation? I especially thought it was pretty crummy not to tell her mom. Like, I thought Camille's reaction to that was kind of perfect. You know, good for Camille for not just immediately saying, oh, sure, that's fine, F- for letting her daughter know this is inconvenient. I have yeah. an oven schedule. I have made place settings with pine cones and everyone's name in like calligraphy or some shit. Like I was really quite impressive and beautiful. And now she has to like go find another pine cone out in the yard. (laughs) Take time away from her busy oven schedule. It just felt very inconsiderate. And when Camille started to sort of say, come on, really? You know, then Sarah got so defensive in that moment. And I thought, Sarah, you're wrong here. Don't impose on your mother and then act like she's being unreasonable. She's not. You're being a little unreasonable. It's fine. She's making it work. You're getting your way. Don't expect her to have a shiny smile on her face as she is doing you this big favor. Help her cook something if if you know if you want to make it up to i i was a little shocked that like none of her kids were helping make the dinner or anything you know they were all just hanging out but again oh none of camille's kids yes yes okay i I thought you meant none of sarah's i'm like um half of her kids were really helping (laughs) really helpful yeah that's true no i'm out none of camille's kids like why weren't but you know maybe camille wouldn't even want that you know she would just want everyone to gather and and relax well they were doing place settings but then, like, you you saw, like, Sarah and Crosby trying to figure out, like, where to put people. And then eventually you see that Adam and Gordon are sitting directly across from each other. <laughs> they did a terrible job. And it's like, that's exactly, <laughs> that was like the first line of that scene. Yeah. Don't put them together. They'll bore everyone with their talk about me and the business. <laughs> anyway, when he, sh- when Gordon shows up, you know, Max yells out, oh, it's a Porsche Panamera S. I looked that up. <laughs> It started, that model started at $89,800 oh my God. when it was released at the end of 2009. So I guess the shoe business has been real good to Gordon. Man, I did you look up if that was a sponsor of Parrot? <laughs> like, you know, the, the Porsche, like, you know, the I Nissan? Didn't, I did try and There's look no up. There's no way. I did notice in the scene where Zeke is searching for a prayer that the page was open to Bing. Oh. And I vaguely remembered, did NBC have some like partial ownership of Bing? But, which sounded familiar to me, but I looked it up and I couldn't find any record of it. But it did seem like product placement a little bit. Did you think it was really kind of charming that Zeke needed to look up a prayer and then he clearly was just speaking from the heart at the dinner. Like, you know, he was like, let me look up a prayer. And I'm like, well, unless your prayer that you found ended with <laughs> over and out, <laughs> you know, That's I'm like, true. I don't think you used it. You, you thanked God for your, your wife and your beautiful family. And, you know, it was very sincere. I really liked that prayer. I especially liked that he started it by saying, we don't talk much, but it's a special day because 
I like that he wasn't trying to be something he wasn't just because Crosby was like, we need a prayer for for Renee. Renee expects it. Right. So it wasn't like he was pretending. It wasn't a whole thing. You know, and in fact, the whole family was like, what are we doing? Why are we standing? And I thought that was kind of lovely that, yes, to make Renee feel more welcome, let's do a prayer, but we're not going to pretend like this is what we do all the time. Yeah. And and there's no deception going on. I liked that a lot. Yeah. But he was clearly winging it. Yeah. Bless us, O Lord, for these thy gifts, which we're about to receive. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of no food, I will fear no hunger. We want you to give us this day our daily bread and to the republic for which it stands. And by the power invested in me, I pronounce us ready to oh! eat. Is it ghost? Yeah. No. Sister Act. <laughs> Sister Act. Okay. Oh, my God. That's so fantastic. I was like, you... it's whoopee. But it's whoopee. <laughs> it's whoopee. Here's the real prayer. Hey, uh, uh, well, dear father, I know we don't talk much but a special day i am a grateful grateful man for my lovely wife camille i want to thank you for this food and please bless the hands that prepared it and i want to thank you for this wonderful beautiful family incredibly beautiful children you know wonderful grandkids and the new people here today that, that we accept into our home and into our hearts and again Thank you for your love and protection and guidance. Please uh, watch over my son Crosby and so he doesn't mangle my $200 butterball jerky. Well, that's Zeke Braverman, over and out. Thank you. Amen. Amen. All right, amen. amen. Yeah, I thought it was nice too. Yeah. It was funny in a way that was not trying too hard to be funny, you know? Yeah. It was like very human funny. Also, I don't know about you, but... All growing up, when I would go to my grandmother's house, my dad's mom, the person who would say the prayer always said, bless the hands that made it. And so I was like, is that a thing that people say? Like, is that an expression? I think so. That that, that was said at my family prayers. Oh, that's nice. Although on my dad's side of the family, often when we had big family gathering together, we would sing our prayer. We oh, would wow. sing this acapella. It must have been a hymn or something. I don't know. Be present at our table, Lord. That's a very fond memory, too. And still to this day, when there's enough people all together, we'll sing it. And we would all stand in a circle and hold hands and sing this hymn. It was very sweet. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I have a few random funny things that I think I'll just share now. Joel continues his streak of just subtly slipping in funny one-liners. Teenager with blood torch. It's a great idea. (laughs) <laughs> it's hard to hear, but he's a teenager with a blowtorch. That's a great idea. What was Amber <laughs> making there? I could not figure that out. I saw all the marshmallows on top. So okay. my only guess, I think, would either a dessert of some kind or maybe sweet potatoes. Because some okay. people put marshmallows yeah, on Yeah, that checks out. And then I also, you know, you've been pointing out Monica Potter will often have <laughs> little just yeah. funny asides and things. There was one when she was talking to Gordon. Oh, I love this one. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good to see you. Nice you look to gorgeous. See you. Of course. Oh, thanks. As Your always. Hair looks good. <laughs> Your hair looks Your good. Your hair looks good. <laughs> and then 
one of Max's. Maybe I should be disturbed by like the message this is sending. But no, <laughs> just it's thought great. It was, thought it was too funny. Excuse me for one second. Hey, Max, can you please remember to share? No, I don't like sharing. Max, it's not fun. Share with the younger no, kids. No, I'm not sharing. Gentlemen. <laughs> can you hear Joel right at the end? He's, just, he's got a good point. <laughs> Sharing isn't fun. <laughs> it isn't. No one likes it. No, you just have Max to. Max is just being honest. Yeah, he's just saying what we're all thinking. Um, <laughs> we all think it. He says it. Yes. I. Yeah, no, you're totally right. It's it's really lovely. I, I should have had you cut this one because now that you're just doing a series of favorite like deliveries, another one that Monica Potter had was when she was explaining the football to Jasmine and... <laughs> She was like, Zeke, you know, you can't get him. But anyone else, you take them and you take them down. Take them down. <laughs> she repeats it. And it's like out of nowhere. They're just very casually stretching. And then all of a sudden this aggression comes out and then it's just done. I also loved in their exchange there when she says, and we keep score, the look in Jasmine's face when yes. she was like, I should hope so. I, I just love, I feel like we haven't actually seen jasmine compete for anything aside from maybe her alvin ailey audition Mm. but it seems like a very believable part of her character that she's competitive that she likes to win and i loved seeing it because it's funny still even though we spent a lot more time with jasmine now we only ever see her through other braverman's eyes i feel like whereas like even joel and chris especially christina yeah They'll have storylines kind of on their own. Yes. Uh, they're off doing something. And yes, they interact with their family. But And it's like, I don't think we've ever seen a scene with Jasmine that Crosby wasn't in or that Jabbar wasn't in. Or that, yeah, a different Braverman. Like sometimes she'll have like an exchange with Joel or Christina. But yeah, it's like she should get to have just as vibrant a storyline as, as anyone else. So she's a great actor. And yeah, that little glimmer, I agree, was just so lovely. And it was just, and it was fun because it was competitive, but really playful and fun competitive. You know, like this is the sort of person you want to invite over for your family football. You know, like that it's not Gordon because that wasn't right. fun. That wasn't fun competitive. That was just no. like obnoxious. But, but yeah, Jasmine just being like into it and having the winning touchdown at the end. And yeah, it was really lovely. Yeah. And if we got to see more of her interaction with people, then, (laughs) well, let me just play this foot in mouth clip. I will take Jasmine and Jabbar. Why? Because they're black? I hated that so much. Oh. I just wrote down, it was like, perhaps if we'd seen a relationship between Zeke and Jasmine or Jabbar, we might instantly get that this is a joke and that everything is good. That they're in on it or something. I I don't know, but I mean, maybe it's not cool anyway, but we haven't seen that. So it is like, Oh, the last time we saw Zeke with Jasmine, he was accusing her family of discriminating against cross because he's white. And I thought is, is the sum total of your interaction with these people just accusing them of racism foot in mouth (laughs) racist. Oh God. No, it's awful. And yeah, I think what really got me was, that was such an uncomfortable moment. And you could see Adam like trying to just walk it back. Like, no, dad, because Jasmine is an athlete and, you know, a dancer and athletic and and Jabbar is super great. You know, I, I thought he could have said Jabbar plays soccer, but, you know, um, but. Also, they didn't even pick them first. 
Right. It was second to last, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's so weird because the show so rarely ever acknowledges race. And when it does, it's like, oh, not like that, though. <laughs> don't, don't do it like that. But then I think, okay, Zeke, at his age, would he say something like that? Probably, I guess. But I think one thing that really bothered me, and I think it was more the editing, it, it like was cut so that like Jasmine was like laughing. And I, I bet I could be wrong. Here's my little conspiracy theory. Something tells me Joy Bryant wasn't laughing at that line. It was like just edited so that it kind of looked like she was. And I'm like, I, I would have rather maybe have seen her look hurt or acknowledge like that's inappropriate. Don't talk to me like that. You know, because I just, I, I, but then who knows? Everybody's different. Maybe some people are like, well, just keep the peace. I, he's a, he's a doofus. He doesn't mean anything. He has, you know, a good heart, but I don't know. Little comments like that. If you if you just accept them, they'll keep happening, as Zeke has demonstrated. You know. Well, and I I totally took it as a joke that I'm it sure was. That's how he meant it. And yeah. you know, I would like to think that being able to joke about things like that, or being able to joke with one another with your family members, is more a sign of progress than like, oh, we're all humorlessly respecting one another every minute of every day. But again, I feel like we haven't seen enough of that. Mm-hmm. So we don't know for sure that that's what's going on. And I also thought it was strange that we didn't see, I guess we then saw Drew and Julia get picked. Also, why are they picking those two last? I yeah. Said, I, Drew and Julia would be among my first picks. Yeah. But anyway, because we didn't see the picking of the teams, we basically just saw Jasmine and Jabbar it's like, oh, they they like went out of their way to include this scene, didn't yeah, they? they and did. then it's then I'm like, I'm just not quite sure what they're going for. You know, now that we're talking about it though, it reminds me very much of an episode in Friday Night Lights, you know, also Jason Kadams. I don't know if you remember this episode, but it was I think season one, where one of the assistant coaches, Mac, who was also an older white man, probably around Zeke's age, he was being interviewed after a game. Look, you show me a red or a black or a green player here in Dillon that's better than Matt Saracen, and he's got the job, all right? What about Smash Williams? He played quarterback on JV. He's got quite an arm. Smash for quarterback. Yeah. I believe Smash is better suited for the position he's in. How do you mean? Well, guys like Smash and Baxter and even Voodoo, they, they got a natural gift for running the ball. All three are black. Are you saying this gift has something to do with their skin color? What I'm saying, Karen, and I'm saying it in a good way, is that guys like Smash are... They're fearless. They're dangerous. They're like junkyard dogs. I mean, you want them carrying the ball. You want them tearing up turf out there. So let me get this straight. Whites like Saracen make better quarterbacks because they're inherently smarter. Well, you want to put it that way, you could. But I'm not saying that all black guys are are, are dumb. I'm just saying that they have dip. I need to talk to you. Mark, my husband, has talked to me about how, like, these sorts of stereotypes happen a lot in in the sports world. Like, it's it's a big deal when you have, like, a black quarterback because of so many, like, racist assumptions. You know, like, right now, Patrick Mahomes, you know, for the Kansas City team is, like, all the rage, and it's kind of amazing. He's breaking all these barriers. But, yeah, it's it's awful. And so this guy, Mac, um, caused this real stir, and the whole episode is about whether or not Mac should be fired – and all the black players on the Panthers on the team, they strike. It's a whole thing. Um, and ultimately, I vaguely remember. Do you that remember now. that? 
Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, he doesn't get fired and really nothing happens to him. But he does have a talk with Coach Taylor about how maybe he's starting to kind of learn that the way he was brought up wasn't okay, you know, and, and so it's mm. sort of interesting. And I know that's, I hope this isn't too much of a tangent, but it does, it makes me wonder in two Jason Kadem shows, you know, having an older white male character centered around football, making some sort of comment about black players, you know, I, I wonder what is that? <laughs> you know, I just kind of, I want to unpack it. Like why put that in? What message are we sending? Whether it's a joke or whether it's something that someone really thinks, what is the point of that? And what does that do for the show? What message? So yeah, it was a small moment, but and, and not an entire episode like the Friday Night Lights one. But Well, and speaking of Friday Night Lights and this scene we're discussing, it is the clearest moment where you can see that Crosby is wearing an East Dillon football shirt. Oh, how fun is that? That's fantastic. I love little moments like that. Even when they don't make any sense, it reminds me of (laughs) Paul Rudd in Clueless wears a KU hat (laughs) because Paul Rudd went to KU, um, you know, and that's the college in the town where I live. So it's like a really big deal that he went there. But, you know, his character didn't go to KU. I'm sure he's like lives in Beverly Hills. And so it's like maybe he did. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Beverly Hills, Flint Hills. (laughs) Uh, another funny moment I think that you thought was funny because you asked for a clip of it. Oh, cool. Crosby? Oh, come on, Goose. I asked you to call everybody together. Yeah, I'm trying, okay? They're not <laughs> listening. Have you seen your dad? Can't find him anywhere. She asked you to call everybody to dinner. Would you do that, please? You were such a disappointment to her. You put me in a bad position. Seriously, I don't know why you're her favorite. <laughs> so, like, it was really funny, but so many interesting little comments there. Like, do you think that Crosby is... Camille's favorite. Well, she said to Sarah that Sarah was her best one. Yeah. But maybe that's different than favorite. Hmm. Who knows? Who knows? I'm sure they would all think it because she she does seem to do so much for him. Yeah. She wasn't doing anyone else's laundry. True. But was that because he was her favorite or because if she didn't do it, it just wouldn't get done? (laughs) (laughs) Hard to say. Does she have a cute little animal nickname for any of her other kids because she calls him goose which is very adorable but like yeah we've never really heard her call any of her other kids by a name like that oh that makes me wonder do you think most parents have a favorite i don't know i i have not watched all of this is us uh-huh. but i remember an episode that i did watch where rebecca is that mandy morris yes name someone was accusing her of having a favorite it's and Randall. She, and, it's clearly Randall. Oh, and well, then she broke down and she said, he wasn't my favorite. He was just easier. Mm. And I thought that makes a lot of sense. I mean, <laughs> I don't have kids. I'm sure that you wouldn't love one more or less than another one. Uh-huh. But if you shared a whole bunch of interests with one and they were really easy to get along with yeah. and you didn't share any interests with another one and you had kind of friction in your relationship how could you not feel like an affinity mm-hmm. towards one more than the other but i i still wouldn't say like that's not that's different than love though yeah if you put a gun to their heads and say pick one i still don't think any parent would be like well i know what i would pick yeah no. it, <laughs> would, it would destroy you either way but it's making me wonder on this show i feel like both camille and zeke 
maybe prefer their less responsible kids, you know, because as you said, Camille told Sarah, you're the best one. And everyone seems to think that, that Crosby is her favorite. And then I think of Zeke. Oh, my shining angel Sarah, he says in the pilot. He doesn't say that about anyone else. He clearly just dotes on her. I think in a way he doesn't really dote on anyone else. And he and Crosby like get drunk together, have so much fun together. I don't really see that kind of camaraderie with Adam or Julia. And then I'm like, man, are Adam and Julia ever pissed? Like, I work so hard. (laughs) You just prefer these louses or whatever, you know? Like, I, I don't know. You know, it's funny you raise that because I especially think, or at least I feel that with Julia and mm-hmm. especially with Camille. Yes. Because this, I feel like, first of all, they don't even have a lot of interaction together. Whereas I, I think you may be right with the doting on the screw ups. Yeah. But then at least with Adam, I feel like they're constantly interacting with him, usually asking him to do stuff for them or with yes. them or for them. Or, but they're never asking Julia to, mm-hmm. you know, even when she tries to like, I'm going to help you out of this financial hole. They they kind of are ungrateful that she's trying to do this. And yeah. Yeah. She made soup with Camille <laughs> one, <laughs> one time, episode, yeah. but kind of beyond that, she doesn't have a lot of interaction with them. No. And like I've often said, I, I get the sense that Julia is a little bit of a daddy's girl. Yeah. That she really identifies with him. Maybe they're like, problem solving, go getting kind of toughness. Whereas Camille is this, you know, model domestic parent. And that's in a way, Julia has kind of rejected that. Yeah. No, I'm going to go work. I'm going to let my husband do all of that. And then this, this final scene with her and Camille, I thought was especially touching in light of that dynamic. I kind of up on. I was so looking forward to having this day with her without my cell phone and everything and I just I blew it because my mind was on those stupid pies <laughs> trying to get them perfect which I obviously did not do. The pies were fine. Look at your face. <laughs> I certainly didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Uh, I know you never do but you set the bar pretty high. I just, I know you think I spoil her, but you know, when you work all day, you come home, you want things to be just good and happy and have it be right. I want to have it be all, you know. Julia, my beautiful girl, I love you so much and I admire you so much. You're an amazing mom. So stop beating yourself up, okay? Okay. Okay? Okay. You know, it's funny, just even listening to it again now, the language that Camille used with Sarah in that scene when she called her her best one, and then the language she uses here with Julia, to Sarah she said, maybe not my best one, but you're the one I most identify with. Mm-hmm. And then to Julia, she says, I love you so much and I admire you so much. Yeah. That's different than identifying with someone. Yes. And it's not negative at all. No. I, but I think that maybe, like we just said, some of the kids are easier and mm-hmm. you have an affinity. 
I don't know if Camille understands Julia the way that she understands Sarah, because Julia is such a work-minded professional, and that is not at all what Camille's life has been like. Yeah. And so I think she admires that. I think she's incredibly proud of her. Who wouldn't be? Right. But it's not something she has a lot of experience with. Whereas Sarah may be feeling like a screw up, a failure, things not going the way she wanted. You know, like Camille said, I'm acquainted with failure. Yeah. Maybe that's easier for her to identify with her. The way that earlier I said that the encounter between Camille and Renee reminded me of my mom and my mother-in-law. That scene, it didn't until we were just talking about it here in the podcast. It didn't when I was watching it on my own. But it really reminds me of my mother-in-law and me. I'm not a worker the same way that Julia is a worker. You know, I'm a teacher, so I don't make nearly as much money, et cetera, et cetera. But my mother-in-law and I did not hit it off for years. It, It took a long time. I think we admired each other and liked each other, but we didn't click And I think part of the reason for that is I don't think she understood me. She's very domestic. She's a caretaker, just like Camille. And I, you know, openly don't know how to cook. Um, You know, Mark (laughs) and I aren't having children. You know, I I put a lot into my my writing and my teaching. And I I think that I just was like this person that she's like, I don't even know who this is. And um, I, I... I don't know. So I I mentioned that because I love my mother-in-law very much and I think she loves me very much. I know she does. Um, But yeah, listening to that through that lens, (laughs) because something you said sparked that idea in in my head. And then I listened to the clip with that idea in mind and I'm like, boy, that checks out. I think it's one of the reasons I love this show so much. I, I feel like I keep seeing myself and my life and my family in really unexpected places. It keeps taking me aback. I've never related to Julia before, ever. She's not a character I feel very similar to. And I've never thought of Camille as being like my mother-in-law before either. And yet in this episode, both felt very true. And I wonder hmm. when other people watch, you know, do they see themselves in in certain scenarios? They're like, oh, that's so like my family. And I don't know. I I really love that about it. Yeah. One thing that I really just, I felt for Julia so much. I know it was such a small storyline, but I'm like, no matter what she did with Sydney, Camille was judging her. Like when she gave in and let Sydney- Or she at least felt like Camille was judging her. But it was my perception, as much as I love Camille, it was my perception that she was being judgy too. Like she played it in a way that I think could be Especially the second time- Didn't Camille actually say something? Yes. Like, oh, come on, or something. But what really got me was the first time Julia gave in and and gave Sydney the snack. Squeezer. The squeezer, yeah, before before dinner. And, you know, Camille kind of had a look on her face like, oh, I can't believe you just gave in. And so then... I just imagine that Julia is like bothered by that for the whole rest of the day. And so when the opportunity presents itself again and Sydney's like, I want Oreos instead of pie. And this time you could just see Julia's like, I'm going to put my foot down. My mom will be so proud. And she puts her foot down and, and Camille is like, Oh no, oh, come on. You know, like, why are you being so hard on her? And Julia's even like, mom, please, please. And I really felt that I'm like, This poor girl, it's not like Camille is even criticizing the same thing that Julia keeps doing. Like, you got to stop giving in to her every time. It's like she tries two completely different things and and gets kind of clobbered both times. 
And it's like, no matter what she does, she's never going to be as good of a mom as her mom who devoted her entire life to it, who didn't work outside the home, I don't think, and and who has an oven schedule and is, you know, kind of perfect at all this stuff, who raised, you know, had the bar set really high, as Julia says. And so I... I thought that even though it was a small little storyline, it did wonders for the character development of both of them. And I also, I feel like this is probably a good time to say that I perceive a very subtle trait in Camille, which is a little bit smug, (laughs) you might say, like a little bit of a a Mm know-it-all, perfect at everything she does, and like slightly condescending. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, it's funny. I don't. I I can't point to really any example. I can. I, oh, go for it. The one I was thinking of was in an episode earlier this season where Sarah was talking about whether or not she should tell Kelsey's mom about them getting drunk at Halloween, and she was like, "Well, you know, it's not Kelsey's not my daughter. It's not really my job." And Camille was just like, "Uh huh." You know, (laughs) and Zeke's like, whatever you want to do, baby, I trust you, you know, but Camille has that little, uh uh-huh. And Sarah's like, what, mom, what? And then she's like, well, you know, and then launches into. Yeah. Oh, and now I thought of another one just last week when she asks Zeke, you know, about the art class. She says, do you trust me? And then she goes, good. Because this is about trust. And just something the way she said it, it's like, are you the marriage counselor now? <laughs> and I know that's not what she meant, but it, it did lend itself to a, oh, well, Camille knows how to do this. Mm-hmm. And so it's her job to instruct poor troglodyte Zeke, <laughs> who's, you know, whose feelings aren't valid. Mm-hmm. He's got to get up to snuff to match Camille, which like, yeah, in a lot of ways he does. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. it seems like. It reminds me of something you said, like Camille's a great wife and mother. Just ask her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think she has a healthy opinion of herself and nothing wrong with that. And it's funny, even as I say that, I think she also doesn't know her own value in a lot of ways. I think both of those things can be true And I think that is so true of people. Mm -hmm. I remember saying that once about myself to someone, I forget who, And I said, you know, I am such a mix of like unbelievable arrogance and (laughs) like crippling insecurity. And it must have been somewhat artistic because they said, oh, you just described every creative person I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's true. I think it I think that does especially describe creative people. You have to think I'm amazing. My work is amazing. Otherwise, why would you be pursuing it? And yet those people are always thinking everyone hates my stuff. I'm no good. I have no talent. (laughs) I think that is what makes people so interesting. You know, it it, it is those those layers, those complexities. You know, it's, it's, yeah, not being one-dimensional. And I think that is something really delightful about this show is they don't feel one-dimensional either. And in a show with so many characters, it could easily be that way, right? She could just quite simply be in the background as the perfect, you know, wife and mother. And I love that they sort of delve into these things. I love that she kind of contradicts herself in this episode. She's desperate for help, but she won't let Renee help, you know? It's just, it's great. All these little moments of, you know, she's she's really annoyed that Zeke's out in the garage, but it's not like she ever asks him to come in, you know? He probably would. He's in the doghouse. He's like, when will you forgive me? 
know? And then I'm like, Zeke, why the hell wouldn't you help your wife on this Thanksgiving when you are trying to like patch things up and be a new yeah. man? Why are you still out getting your 15 year old grandson drunk? Is that the way to work your way back into I, I actually kind of thought that was a sweet moment, but I'm just saying like, what, yeah. what weird choices you've made today? Like, I, I don't know. Well, and speaking of people behaving in, in contradictory ways, especially coming off the last episode, we've been talking a lot about Zeke and his lack of sensitivity or his, mm-hmm. and his, his difficulty expressing his feelings. Yeah. But this episode proves he can often be incredibly sensitive. So who are you avoiding? I mean, everybody's downstairs having fun, and here you are, Mr. Solitary. I don't know. It's just mom with that guy. Gordon? Yeah. Don't you think it's weird? I don't know. He seems like a nice guy. I mean, you want your mom to be happy, don't you? I don't know. She barely even told us he was coming. Now he's here, and it's all about, you know, she brought some guy with her. I don't know. It's Thanksgiving, you know? It's supposed to be about family, not who she's dating. Hmm. Does this have anything to do with your dad? I don't know, maybe. That's true. You know, your dad, Seth, he gets a bad rap around this house a lot, you know. And I I'm the worst offender. I mean I'm I'm sorry, you know, I owe you an apology. It's just not right. It's okay. I, no, it's I guess not I understand. Okay. He's your father. And you have a right to miss him and you have a right to love him. I mean, there's no shame in that. You know, grandson, let me tell you something. You are an extraordinary young man. There's a depth to you that's just truly remarkable for someone of your age. I'm there for you if you need me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I mean, it just touches my heart. I know. And he, he clearly, that he picked up on that, yeah. which I bought. I didn't think, like, oh, time for the very special moment. No, I bought it, too. But, no, I believe that Zeke would see that and go, I wonder if this is about Seth. Also, I thought Drew made a good point about Thanksgiving is about family. And I, I do think it's a little weird. It'd be different if, you know, like Crosby and Jasmine aren't married. But they're, yeah. But it's so clearly, yeah, she's a part of the family. It's serious. Sarah's been going out with Gordon for a few weeks, tops. Yeah. I wouldn't invite someone like that to Thanksgiving. Isn't this the first time that Drew has met him? That's a lot of pressure to meet at a major holiday like that with everyone. Yeah. And that's not what Thanksgiving is for. No, I don't think so either. I also want to say after last week's episode, I was like, God, I'm like done with Zeke. I'm just done. Ugh. And then he just gives one speech like this. I'm like, I love Zeke so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh. I noted, I think his gregarious, people-pleasing personality also manifests in this way mm-hmm. of noticing little things like this about his family and then being incredibly considerate of them and it's really beautiful but then i put down i just wish he could express his own feelings so easily and especially notice camille's little clues because i feel like earlier when we were saying she wants help but 
she won't accept help. I wonder if an element of that is that really she just wants appreciation from one person. Yeah. And it's the person she's not getting it from. I could totally see that. And so it plays out that she feels unappreciated by everyone, even though that may or may not be totally true. But you always want it from the one person you can't seem to get it from. And even Amber notices it because when she thanks her, she tries to shoehorn in. Yeah. I know Pop. I know Pop feels it too. And it's like, but he's not here saying it. You are. And yes. that's the problem. Yeah. Well, and if you think about how thoughtful Zeke can be with really almost everyone except his wife, like it's, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, he was so thoughtful with Drew right there. And then like, seriously, it's, I'll go back to the prayer. It was very thoughtful of him to be like, okay, you know, I could totally see a version of him being like, no, I don't do that. I'm not doing that. You know? And yeah. and for him to be like, sure, Crosby, I'll do that for you and your future mother-in-law. No problem. But it's like, he can't, for, for as much as he says he sees and hears Camille, does he? Like here she is surrounded by food and dishes all day. And It'd be different if he were doing anything useful at all, but he's just drinking in the garage. You know, if he were like entertaining the family or watching the kids, you know, it doesn't have to be the kitchen work, but he only does what he wants to do. He participates in the football game, but that's fun for him. He gets to lead it and yell out yeah. ridiculous, inane things. Max and- wants to know. That was my favorite one. <laughs> Wait, what was it again? What was that one? Max von Sito. Oh, I didn't even catch that one. <laughs> I thought about putting together like a super cut of all the things he yelled. It's just nonsense. But I was like, that might take a while. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally. But speaking of those, of like saying one thing and doing another. So we had that beautiful scene with Zeke where he's like, I'm sorry that we say bad things about your dad around here. Your dad, Seth, in case you didn't Your dad, know. Seth. Remember him? His name's Seth. Yeah. And then, like, it feels like it's the next scene, but I don't know if it's literally the next scene. Gordon gets up to take a phone call, and the whole family just lays into him. Oh, yeah. You got to buy low and sell high. Why don't you return that shirt from the matador you stole it from? Hey, hey, hey. That's a really important phone call from the Hair Gel Trade Association. Serious short. Can everyone um, be more thankful for each other so thankful that he got a phone call sarah honey he's a lot better than some of those doozies he used to bring around tell me about it sorry the bravermans we like to weigh in you know just remind me not to leave the table i loved that line of renee's that's so funny that's and that that to me is kidding on the square. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, she's pretending she's joking, but I felt that was totally real. Like, she's like, I'm not leaving this table. I'm not leaving lest you all rip into me. <laughs> Although I don't think they would rip into Renee. I think they like Renee. They don't like Gordon. That's I mean, yeah. Yeah. Gordon, Renee's better than Gordon, kind of objectively. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but still, it was... Yeah, I, I remember, it was like, me. It's really not nice, but it was super funny because I can't stand it. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, that that did make me yeah, I was questioning it, like, oh, my principals say, don't do that. That's so rude. But then I also thought, who is this guy taking a phone call at, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, like at some at someone's house and you you were invited in and it was the first time you've ever been there. I just thought, of course Gordon does that. I I don't know. I found yeah. it pretty obnoxious. But that doesn't really give everyone the excuse to just rip into them. Well, especially after, I just thought it was especially funny after Zeke was like, 
oh, I'm sorry that I so casually insult your dad. <laughs> and I know no one there loves Gordon. Well, Sarah does. Yeah, she at least I likes him I know she loves lot. him, yeah. but, you know, he is her date. It's not I, nice. I think that if she loved him, she would have fought even a little bit at their <laughs> breakup. It was the That's most true. passive. We've got to talk about that at some point. Why wouldn't you tell anybody? I didn't want to worry anybody because these types of deals fall apart all the time. Not even Adam, not even me? Are you worried about your job? Because I can get you a hundred more just like it in a heartbeat. I work for my brother. He helped me. I know he did. I just feel like you could have been better. The truth is, is that this is something I have thought about for a while. It's, it's business, and it's something that I needed to do. And your brother, he's, he's always going to land on his feet. Miss you. Oh, I want to I wanna talk to you about that. I care about you, okay? And uh, I need to go away for a little while. I need to rethink things and travel and figure out what's next for me. But I, I really do want us to stay connected. I thought maybe you could meet me on the road and we could continue to spend time together. I can't do that. You were close by. Now the distance. I understand. <laughs> you know, I have a feeling I liked it way more than you. I actually kind of loved it. Really? Because I felt like Sarah was being so clear eyed about mm. who he is and what they had. And I think that for almost the whole time she's known him, she hasn't been clear eyed. I could see I that. I think she's been dating this idea in her head that is just very validating to her. Mm -hmm. He's just this symbol of someone wealthy and successful. He doesn't have any stench of failure attached to him Mm -hmm. and he's respectable. And he, so he makes her respectable and he makes her successful, but she's ignoring the fact that he's not a good guy. Yeah. And maybe he's not the devil, you know, maybe he's just kind of sleazy and shallow Mm -hmm. and, now it's just reached a level where she can't ignore it and she sees him for who he is. And I, my favorite line is, I feel like you could have been better. And it, it's like, <laughs> yes, that is the essence of the conflict here. He could be a lot better, but yeah. he isn't. And then that he wants her to go away. And then she just says, I can't do that. Like, of course you guys are, are in totally different places and he doesn't see you mm-hmm. that he even thinks he could invite you just shows that he doesn't understand what your life is about. You have children and obligations. So I, I felt like it was kind of like sleeping beauty waking up from her dream. Like uh. This has never been what you thought it was about. And now you realize it. And in that sense, it's not all that sad. I love it so much more now that you've said all that. I totally get <laughs> oh, that. Good. Yeah, no, that's great. That, that really helps me contextualize it because I was like, Look, I don't care how gorgeous the music is that you're putting with this scene. And it was, but I just thought it was so beautiful and poignant and touching. And I thought it was almost comical how it juxtaposed (laughs) with like, yeah, well, I'll miss you. Yeah, well, I was thinking about that. And maybe you can meet me (laughs) on the road. Well, I can't do that. I understand. <laughs> I'm like, what are these words you're speaking to each other? Like, if if the person I cared about deeply was proposing that, like, meet me out on the road sometimes, I think I would not just dismiss it entirely. I think I'd be like, 
what does that mean? What are what exactly are you inviting me to do? Because she could probably do a weekend here or there somewhere, but maybe she just senses, oh, you want this to be a very casual fling kind of meetup thing. I'm worth more than that. And maybe that explains why she's just like, I can't do that. And that explains why he doesn't even fight for her. He's just like, yeah, I understand. What a dumb idea. Oh, well, <laughs> guess it's not going to work after all. But yeah, hearing you talk about it, I think I get what that is meant to be. And I feel like you could have been better. And I think she's also understanding in that moment that her brother is a really great guy and that she should be with him. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. But, but in all seriousness, when she's like, no, he hired me. He helped me, you know? And uh, that, was, that was really sweet because I think she kept not believing her brother's opinion about Gordon. And he was right. And I liked then that she, when you see her with him, she says, are you going to say I told you so? And he doesn't. Yeah, it's really kind. Also, after that Sarah and Adam moment, I really loved seeing Sarah and Julia share a hug. I don't know if you noticed that. I did it. When, when all four siblings come in, Julia goes right to Sarah and she gives her clearly a kind of consoling hug. And I liked that little sisterly touch that Julia feels bad that Sarah broke up, that Gordon wasn't just a total joke to her and she feels bad for her sister, even though he's kind of a sleazy goober. <laughs> thought that was nice. And, you know, we don't see a lot of Sarah Julia mm -hmm. interaction. I feel like we did early in season one, mm -hmm. like when she was job hunting and stuff. But it's nice to see them together. And then, like, Crosby makes a crack about Gordon, I think. And Julia kind of gives him a little glare of, like, lay off. That's This nice. happened today. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, like I said earlier in that episode, Julia was the one who said to Adam, well, Sarah deserves to have someone here. Yeah. And do you remember earlier in the season when Sarah and Gordon kissed and then Sarah was freaking out because he was being weird and, and she went to talk to Julia about it, you know, and, and she was like, I kissed my boss. I don't know what to do. And I feel like at the time, all I could think about that scene was why isn't Julia saying, don't kiss your boss. This is sexual harassment. This is awful. Right. But now that we're at the end of her relationship with Gordon and we see like, okay, it's done. <laughs> then I can kind of look back on that scene and reflect on it a bit. And I mean, Sarah was falling for someone. The fact that I don't like him shouldn't make me not, you know, it shouldn't interfere with my level of, of empathy, you know, like it's painful for something not to work out and she yeah. wanted it to work out. But I love again, what you said about her. She, she really wasn't that into him. She was into an idea of him. And I think that happens a lot, you know, and, and wasn't a good relationship and now it's done, but that doesn't mean she's not hurt. Right. You know, this episode ends with Hattie and Alex and I've been loving Hattie so much since she started working at the food bank yeah. and with like this blossoming relationship with Alex that I'd almost forgotten how irrational her parents get around the subject of her dating anyone at all. So I like that. I mean, it was good TV to have Hattie get caught kissing Alex. Yeah. But I, I just immediately, the way it was staged or the way Christina played it, I don't know. I, I thought it was just suddenly 
irrationally dramatic. And I thought, oh my God, she's going to be crazy about this, isn't she? And like, why? I mean, she says when Hattie gets in, she does say, who's that boy? Man. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's maybe a legitimate concern. It's one I still keep wondering, how old is Alex? Yeah. But she's a teenage girl. Yeah. She's kissing a guy. Maybe don't start at, oh my God, the world is ending. What are we going to do? And I felt like that's just immediately where she went. Maybe I'm wrong because she didn't say anything other than who is that boy, man. But it just seemed like, oh, and Hattie seemed so terrified of her mom having seen it. And I thought, can we all calm down? Can you just, can we explain? Maybe they will, but they're the Bravermans. (laughs) Well, and you know. I I have to ask this, and I I don't want to just be the person who always goes there, but I no, my mind went there too. I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah, if if he were white, would she have reacted that way? I don't know that she would have, because while Adam was irrational about Steve, I don't think Christina ever was. She was always the one who was like, "Hattie's young, she's dating, whatever, it's fine," and she was really indignant right. about. Amber dating Steve, you know, or sleeping with Steve, you know, she was like, that was Hattie's boyfriend. They were together. They were a couple. Like, she was very comfortable with Hattie having And when Adam really freaked out, it was when Christina was out of town. Yeah. Yeah. And it was that time that she kept reiterating, I trust you. I trust you. Right. And so it seems like, okay, Mm. maybe it's the age thing, but I don't know that you can just glance at Alex and realize that he's older because I think he is very youthful looking. What makes me wonder how old he is, is the fact that he's like in charge of, you know, the, the shelter. And she doesn't know that by looking at him, you know, and she doesn't know. He does have facial hair. That's true. I mean, I guess a lot of teenage guys could, but a lot of teenage guys couldn't. (laughs) That's probably true. But yeah, I don't know. No, I, you raise a valid point that couldn't help across my mind. And it makes me so uncomfortable and and I, I guess, you know, okay, we keep saying, are they going to deal with race? And and this might be a real way to deal with it. But gosh, it, it's so upsetting that, that her yeah. natural reaction to, to her kissing Alex would be to look so upset, almost frightened, you know, and yeah. And would she be able to admit it even if asked about it? Like, or would she even realize it? Right. That's kind of what I think. And I almost guarantee, I really don't remember from the last time I watched this, but I I almost guarantee she'll be the kind of person who says it has nothing to do with race. And to that, I I would- I do remember it being brought up and they say that. I'll just say that. Uh, And it doesn't, I mean, like, I don't believe that is what I mean. It, It must have on some level something to do with race. Not that any other concerns aren't valid, but she can't know that he's an alcoholic by looking at him. She can't right. know that he's older. I mean, maybe, but but I don't think so. And, and you know, so any legit concerns she might have, I, I just think in that moment when she looks all freaked out, it's she's just seeing the race. And that is... And, you know, now that we're talking about this, it makes me realize she gets in the car and Christina asks who he is. Yeah. And Hattie says, grandma introduced him to me, which I thought was a nice touch. That was smart. (laughs) How do I inoculate the the fear of him? Grandma is the one that Mm -hmm. introduced me. But um, hasn't Hattie been talking about him to her parents? I mean, I know we saw her talk about him when he was pissing her off. Has she not 
mentioned since then that their relationship has turned around. I mean, I get that she wouldn't say I'm making out with my boss. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But clearly her work at the food bank is changing her. You know, she offers to help at the beginning of the episode. Adam notes that she seems really happy lately and that it makes him really happy. She wouldn't have mentioned Alex this, Alex that. Like, I feel like when you like someone. It's hard. You, it's hard not to talk about them. So wouldn't she say, oh, you know, Alex, who I talk about all the time and who's wonderful. That's him. That's him. Yeah. Although if your parents freak out every time you like someone, you might quickly learn the lesson of don't let them in yeah. to that part of your life. So maybe she's been keeping it all quiet. Yeah. And who does she let in? She lets in Camille at the end of last episode. You know, if you contrast yeah. Christina's look of horror with Camille's Good just point. beautiful acceptance of like, oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. You know, and it's just this beautiful thing. And of course she knows Alex, but still, you know, she sees Hattie as like her own person capable of making decisions. I think Hattie's parents probably see her as a kid, you know, but it breaks my heart that, that Christina was so accepting of Steve, who's just this basic <laughs> you know, just like douchebag. I'm like, wouldn't you rather your daughter, even if he's older, even if he, you know, has had struggles with addiction? I I get that. I do. But look at him. He is running a shelter. He is spending his spare time helping families who are homeless move into their first homes. When he, like, parties, he, like, plays Scrabble in a library online <laughs> with a guy from <laughs> Romania or something. You know, and obviously Christina doesn't know all that yet. But right. but once she does... But why does she jump right to high alert? Yeah, that's right. That's, that's what's concerning. That's really and honestly, concerning. even if you removed the race element, which I don't think you can actually do because... I don't think you can either. He is black. But even if you were... I still think that it's it's something about them that I just feel like if she saw her daughter making out with anyone yeah. who she didn't know, that that's where she would jump to. And it's like, yeah, you can't see every boy who likes your daughter as a threat of some sort. Yeah. It just feels like then you're going to be <laughs> threatened yeah. for your daughter's entire teenage life. At, just calm down. Why is this so freaky to you? I don't know. I felt bad for Alex in that moment because... You could see it on his face. And of course yeah. you could, because I'm sure he experiences microaggressions like that all the time. He knows exactly what that look means. And, and Hattie's reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just so sad because I thought, Alex is such a good person. You know he's the kind of person who would ideally meet Hattie's parents with like shaking their hand and saying, nice to meet you and just being very sincere and polite and not by being caught kissing for the very first time, really the first like actual kiss that wasn't like immediately rebuffed. Uh, and, and so, you know, and yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you no, off, yeah. but now I, this hasn't occurred to me really, even though you kind of brought it up last week is Hattie being irresponsible or unsupportive after learning that Alex doesn't want to be in a relationship right now by not backing off. Like I, I get it. <laughs> Would it be more supportive to stop pursuing things with him and be his friend and yeah. help him stick to the program for a year? And, you know, then I think their bond would only grow. And I don't know. 
just you saying like, oh, he's the type that would want to meet the parents and shake their hand. And I thought he doesn't even want a relationship. Right. That's true. He knows he shouldn't have one. Yeah. Wants one clearly, but she's not helping him resist temptation. She's just kind (laughs) of. Yay. (laughs) Let's make out. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't think I've ever thought about that before this watch. I think I was always like, oh, good, they're together. Yay. Yeah, me too. I <laughs> and mean, they're precious. They're, they're so great. Yeah. yeah. But I think this time, just watching so closely again, I'm just like, oh, man, he was really clear about his boundaries. You Bravermans really suck at boundaries. <laughs> but to be fair to Hattie, he said that one time. And yeah, then, he's not doing Yeah, he just launched into flirting with her right after. Yeah, they were pretty flirty in the conversation where he said he couldn't date her, you know? Right. Yeah. So I think he probably knows that he shouldn't, but they just really like each other. And what are you yeah. going to do? I don't know. They're, they're kids in a way. Like, even if he is older than she is, he's not that much older. He's probably 19 or 20. They're kids. They like each other. It's going to be very hard for them to do the mature, you know, thing. But but man, it is so interesting to compare and contrast her relationship with Steve with her relationship with with Alex. It's just night and day. You know, it was so silly her relationship with Steve and this like the like silly fights about love actually and just none of it yeah. was very consequential who cares. And you can just see that this is a relationship that is making her better and making her deeper. And I think it's bringing a lightness to Alex, you know? It, it, it seems like they're both good for each other, despite the fact that maybe they shouldn't be dating. <laughs> yeah, I can only assume that the next episode will be dealing with this fallout. Ugh. And um, just looking ahead, the title of the next episode is Damage Control. Ugh. So <laughs> I think any hopes I have that Adam and Christina might be reasonable about this are probably not going to be realized well and we're committed to spoiler free but i will say i i remember some things and yeah that's all i'll say (laughs) yeah but it does make for a compelling conclusion to the episode yeah it does it does and and um you know it's funny earlier i was hinting that it was one of my favorite endings I didn't mean that scene. I forgot that that was the last scene. Or, well, was that the last scene or was the last scene the four siblings uh, cleaning? I don't know. I think maybe it was the cleaning. That was what I meant when I said it was my favorite. Just, I think it's really funny when they dance together. I, I don't know. It, like, seems that maybe in those moments they are really not playing their characters. I feel like they're just being <laughs> themselves and having a lot of fun. Except, of course, I don't think in real life Peter Krause goes by fever. So I think that's a strictly <laughs> Adam thing. But, you know, it's just, it's funny. I, I feel like Dak Shepard would have picked that song. You know, I, I feel like that's perfect. I feel like Lauren Graham is dancing like Lauren Graham. And so is Erica Christensen. You know, it's just, and they're all really charismatic together. And I feel like you can tell yeah. that in those scenes. And I was quite honestly, very relieved that they were cleaning up. I was like, good. You didn't do anything all day. <laughs> Help your right. mom. And that felt perfect, you know, for them to do it. Because I didn't want Amber to do it either. When Amber's like, someone else will do this. I'm like, I'm glad you're saying someone else will do this and not I'll do it. Because I'm like, Amber, you helped already. You yeah, right. you, you can't drink wine. You're too young. But you should go relax too. <laughs> Although your brother is drinking beer. So <laughs> just go to the garage yeah. and join them. <laughs> Although I, I, like you said earlier, I actually, I thought that scene between Zeke and Drew was actually kind of sweet too. Yeah. 
you know, Drew's around a lot of women and probably has been his whole life. Yeah. And so I, I like that Zeke is sensitive to that and tries to reach out to him. And I also, in a weird way, it reminded me of, I don't ever remember having any interest in drinking or drugs or anything. Maybe I was scared or just uninterested is how I would say I feel. But I remember my parents often saying, if you ever want to drink or do drugs, that's fine with us. You're going to do it in our house with us. Wait, <laughs> and not drugs? with them. I don't know about like hard drugs. I, <laughs> Were you thinking like probably pot or something? I'm thinking you're probably drinking and like, yeah, pot. But their point was like, <laughs> You'll do it at home where we're monitoring you and nothing's going to, you're not going to, you know, go insane. And the thing is, of course I wasn't ever going to take them up on that. That's not the appeal of those things. Right. So I felt like Zeke was kind of doing a similar thing. Yeah. If beer is, and and Drew hates it. Yeah. As anyone, I'm sorry, this is my soapbox because (laughs) I think beer is so disgusting. I feel like one of the big reasons I have no desire to drink is I think alcohol makes stuff taste bad. So I think drinking (laughs) almost anything alcoholic because you like the taste is ridiculous. So I would say then, well, the only reason to drink it is if you want to get some degree of drunk. I don't really want to be any degree of drunk ever, and I don't like to taste. So boom, there go all my reasons for drinking. (laughs) I'm not a teetotaler, but I'm close. I hardly ever drink. But anyway... I thought that Zeke was doing something similar with Drew. Mm -hmm. If beer is the gross thing that you drink with your grandpa, (laughs) automatically a lot of its mystique and allure is gone. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with that. I thought it felt like a very rite of passage, you know, especially in an episode where Zeke recognizes that Drew is without a father figure and then maybe realizing maybe that's me, you know, and and here is this bonding thing. And, and you know, it is interesting. I don't think that he would give Amber a beer because I think this is about men drinking in the yeah. garage on Thanksgiving while the hens are clucking as... as yeah, I don't know <laughs> if that's good. <laughs> no, but but I don't, you know, it's weird. I... I don't love strict gender roles. I, I don't love that Zeke's out there in the first place while Renee, you know, not Renee, while, um, you know, Camille is working so hard. But some things I think are sort of nice. You know, I, I do think it's nice for the men to ha- have some bonding. I think Drew does need that. I, th- I think it's great for him to have a father figure, you know, who, who really loves him and, and takes care of him. And there are toxic things about Zeke, but he's got a big heart. You know, you, you could do worse for a father figure. You know, he's, he's yeah. very kind uh, to, to him and recognizes that he's remarkable and has all this depth. I, I agree with all those things. I don't love that Zeke tells that that story that's hypothetical. That's like so obviously oh, not. It was really cringy and Drew knew exactly what he meant. And I'm like, way to like implicate your grandmother's indiscretion while conveniently leaving out the fact that you started it, you know, but, you know, whatever. I, I mostly really loved all their stuff. Well, do we have any other thoughts? I think I said all I want to say. I think I said all I wanted to say, too. Yeah, there wasn't as much to maybe dive into, but it was really fun. You know, and I remember last week you saying to Lyle that the play was going to be like a multi-arc 
<laughs> you know, multi-episode arc. And you're right in a way, but I barely think this one counts. Like, you know, they're not like in the gym still working that play. It's just that they're acknowledging that they haven't dealt with that yet. But it was but very... the fact that Joel is still like has a chip on his shoulder about it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't make me like Joel more. Like, no. Oh, come on, man. Drop it. Yeah. Who cares? Crosby taking something that isn't his. Who would have thought? Oh, my God. So petty. <laughs> yeah. I did really love the way that Julia was like, it's kind of a battle royale. Like the way her, her <laughs> delivery of that made me laugh. Like she's being supportive, but also kind of mocking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was good, but yeah, I, I really did feel like this episode was just a chance to hang out with them, and some storylines got progressed a little bit, but it was yeah more like just touching on them, like like all of this is still going on, but let's take the day off and just hang out with this family, and for the yeah. most part, it was lovely. And I suppose we should be grateful that we won't be talking about Gordon anymore. Yay! I am. <laughs> that is fun. <laughs> I don't know. Again, no offense, William Baldwin. No, really, I just I. I want more for Sarah. Yeah. Her saying, yeah. I feel like you could have been better. I'm like, yeah. She can be better. Yeah. You you deserve better. And let's let's get you towards that. I mean, I don't even need to see her in another relationship right away. But but if she's going to be let's in get her one, out of that job, too. Yeah. Let's get everyone out of that job. Can they? <laughs> Gordon sold the company. Are they done with TNS footwear? <laughs> Ugh. Anyway. If only. If only. <laughs> well, you all, please... Follow us on the social meds, um, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Parenthood Pals everywhere. And you could always like us or give us a rating anywhere. We love the ratings and reviews. Make us so happy. Do we ever. We're so thankful for them. It's the Thanksgiving. Nice tie-in. Thank you. Yes. And you can visit <laughs> us at parenthoodpals.com. That's right. If you need help finding it, just open Bing, <laughs> type it in. <laughs> right under and common thank players. you for listening. <laughs> Again, more thanks. More thanks. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true. <laughs>